welcome to the Singing for Health Network podcast. My name is Ruth Routledge and I wear many hats as a singer, a community choir leader, a Singing for Health practitioner, researcher, composer, arranger, lots of different things. And I'm delighted to welcome Lisa Strong, who is an occupational therapist, a singer, a community choir leader, and a community drum leader, um, probably amongst them other hats, I'm sure. Hello, good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Ruth. Thanks so much for having me. It's lovely, lovely to have you. Um, so would you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, where you're based, and, um, and how you got to sort of doing the things that you're doing? Sure. Um, well, I'm based in a little village, uh, well, a little town really, Walton on the Nays on the coast of Essex. Um, it's a lovely little town. Um, and how I got here where I am now, well, it's been a quite a journey, really. Um, I started off singing when I was at school and I had a really um, pronounced stammer when I was a child. Right. Um, I don't know what, really why, um, but I just had a lot of anxiety, I think. I just couldn't really get my words out and it was really frustrating. Um, and I actually joined the choir and found that whenever I could sing, I didn't have this problem. And from that, I went on to the stage at school and just performed and it, that started me on my career really with with singing and, and since then I've always been a singer been in bands over the years and jazz mostly jazz um so that's how I got started and so from a very early age I knew that singing was medicine and um, because yeah. it, it helped me where nothing else could right and now as you can tell I'm fluent I do stammer sometimes when I get excited and I am excited about this whole topic <laughs> so I, I may do that again but um it's singing has been what's helped me through so and now I've turned it into something hopefully to help other people in the community amazing and how does that fit into or, or does that fit into your work as an occupational therapist it, i'm trying to bring it in i mean i have been wearing as you say several hats i think that's interesting because lots of us that are doing this kind of work do we wear several hats and um i've been doing the masters in um vocal pedagogy for a little while now so as just as you have been yeah and i'm specializing in singing for health as you are as well yes um, and i've been touching on lots of different subjects i started off with stammering because that was my kind of core mm, interest yes and i moved on and spoke about menopause um as well and did a, a, oh, wow. say about that and then i kind of realized throughout the work i was doing that ot was coming through coming through into my mm. role as a, as a singing practitioner and then i was just trying to consolidate them somehow together and I was thinking to myself well I feel like I'm a, I'm a dual practitioner I'm an OT and I'm a singing practitioner and as I've been moving through the masters I've been realizing actually I'm both and both can come together and actually OT can be that bridge between singing for health and health professionals. That's really interesting so in in what kind of way? I would say because um, we're placed already in the health profession. So, I mean, my role um, mm. as an OT, I'll just give you a bit of background before I do. Mm, yeah. I, I work in the community. So my choir's in the community and I work in the community. I've always worked in the community. I never like working in hospitals. Um, right. It's far too structured. Um, and <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't like that feeling. I, you don't get to know the patients. They're in and out and you don't really get that rapport and relationship with them. So when right. you're in the community, you I, I see the patients when they've come out of hospital. And they're not quite as they were before they went in. They're a bit poorly. And, and I'm trying to get them back to how they used to be. So is that when you say working in the community, does that mean you go to people's houses? Yeah, right. I go to people's okay. houses and yep. I meet them. I have to build up a relationship with them very quickly. It's a called yep. therapeutic yep. relationship. And that's something we learn as OTs. as part of our skill set is this therapeutic bonding relationship that we can build with our patients very quickly, rapport. Mm. Um, and then we look at, we have several weeks with the patient. We, we look at goals that they want to reach. Perhaps they wanted to, they used to be able to walk down to the shop and now they can't. And now we work 
we kind of go in, in little steps towards how we can build that up for that person. And we yeah. look at the, the, the whole situation holistically. So we're looking at the biological, the psychological, the social aspects, everything together. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to bring through into my choir. So when I finished my degree, um, my first degree with OT, my last paper was about singing. And it was right. a bit ah. different to lots of my colleagues that were in the, my cohort. You know, I'd really <clears> gone in the creative route because singing was my background. And I really could see this um, impact of singing with people that had dementia. So right. my last paper that I wrote was about that and about a choir where everyone that came to the choir didn't just have dementia, but from all over the uh, community. So a diverse choir that could come together and right. would reflect an actual community rather than having a separate choir for everyone with dementia, a separate choir for people with Parkinson's, yeah. having a community choir where everyone comes together with all different conditions and some not conditions, mm. just so we have a real good reflection of a, the real community. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah, and that started in 2018. Right. What would you call that? A kind of, it's I mean, obviously it's inclusive. Yeah. It's really funny that you're talking about this because I've just been thinking exactly along those oh, lines really? and, why, and why everything is all segregated. Um, and obviously there is a real place for that and for people to, sure. other people with a similar condition or the same condition and to have that sense of solidarity, but also for a community and especially with something like singing where you can work on multiple levels mm -hmm. at the same time. And it is, it's such a holistic activity that you can deal with lots of different types of people and different needs through singing I, I, and I was thinking what would you call that um, in order to sort of make well, people know it's dementia friendly or I don't know Parkinson's friendly or something like that do you well, have, a, I try to, have a name I try to say <laughs> well, it, inclusive is the word I use a lot and it's a bit yeah. of a buzzword really and it doesn't yeah. really give enough of detail but essentially what you're saying um, I've reflected a lot on this and, and why, why do I, why me, why, why am I doing this? And it's, I think it's because I'm an OT and I, I, right. I have these skills and I have a lot of knowledge about different health conditions. So I'm really mm. well placed to be able to deal with um, adaptations for people that come into the choir that perhaps have mobility issues or maybe some maybe visual issues or maybe social anxiety. That, and I've got such a grounding in health conditions yes. that I am able as a choir leader to adapt to all these mm. different needs. Um, and I was reflecting on the fact that maybe in other choirs, that might be a tricky thing for a choir leader to do, to, to be able to be as inclusive as I can be. It might be tricky. So then that got me to thinking about what can I do to help choir leaders to mm. be more inclusive? Yeah. I don't know what the word would be. I think probably inclusive is the best word really yes. at the moment for it. Yes. Um, my, my choir is called the Feel Good Choir because right. that's really our goal is just to feel good, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that's different for everybody. Feeling good is different for everybody. So it's yes. kind of generic term really but feeling good for someone might be that they haven't been out of the house for two weeks and here they are in another venue with friends yes. or you know it could be that they've had a really bad day and actually they've been close to tears today because something's happened and here they are singing you know we're happy together mm -hmm. and, and we are for that time we're happy together other people might have been struggling with breathlessness all day and you know that we're doing some t techniques that day I might spot oh yeah I can see they're struggling let's do this this exercise because I think it's going to work today everyone mm. does it but I've got my eye on that person thinking this is helping them and I can do you know what I mean? So yes. you kind of yes. you kind of have to read the room, read the room, right? And that that that's where these OT kind of skills that I've learned seem right. to come into play. And so, do you, for example, ask people to tell you about their particular health conditions, or do you just read the room? I read the room, but I also very clear with them, and the membership form says, "Do you have any condition? Do you let right. health professional here? If you would like to tell me, um, you can. Yeah. You can come and speak to me." And I'm very clear with them. I'm very open with them. In, in mm. rehearsals that if you've got any issues please come and see me or I might approach them if I feel yes. that's needed you know so 
yeah it's really kind of dynamic I guess dynamic environment and that's how it feels and I like it like that and which is probably why I struggle with hospital working hospitals because you haven't got room for that dynamism and I know there are singing groups like you say for specific conditions and they have got their place for sure because Mm. you know people want to to link in with someone else who's got Parkinson's and actually have do you understand me yes because you know where I am here you you can be with me in my place that I am now but there's also an argument for I also want to just be a part of my community I don't want to be labeled I want to be just part of the community so there you and I think Singing for Health Network have done a brilliant job Emily has put together this um this uh, document that's got these circles with the different kinds of choirs that are out there Mm. and I, I love that because it really shows you the diversity of singing and how it can be used in different areas you've got those kind of acute choirs Yes. Where the health professionals involved there and then you've got the next step out gradually coming out into the community and then you've got community mm. choirs health professional kind of figures in those but I don't see the health professional in those community choirs and I think I feel they should be there they should yes. feel like that they're important because they help unpick these health conditions that are going on and there's a lot going on in the world at the moment people have yes. got so many conditions you can't be expected to know every single one yes so just having that health professional there to guide you yep. would be so beneficial yeah I definitely think that's the case. And, you know, I mean, my background is is um, singing and conducting, choir conducting. And it's via that that I've come into singing for health. Yet, you know, I think there are lots and lots of people like me who are kind of via the music and working in communities who are coming into contact with people with health conditions. And you do need a bit of support and you do want to find out more so that you know that you are doing the right things or best practice and stuff like that. I think there's a huge place for that, speaking Mm. personally. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I think people come along to choir sometimes if they're not caught early on, they walk in, they're they're faced with lots of different people that all know each other. They come and sit down. And the chair's not quite right for them. So they've got a pain in their hip because they've got oh. a hip replacement and they haven't got the right seating. Everyone goes, right, stand up and let's sing. And they think, oh, God, I can't, I can't stand yes. up. I must do it. You know, this is a yes. little example. But, and, and they go, I'm not going back there. It's not yes. for me, you see. Yeah. And, and then they, they don't get the benefits because they, they haven't had the adaptation because the choir leader doesn't know to look out for them, doesn't know to ask. It's yes. not the choir leader's fault. They're just, they're focused on the music. Mm. Um, but if we are to bring this into the realm of health, then yes. we definitely need that guidance um, and also people that come to the choir need to have that reassurance that there is someone they can speak to on, on yes. those terms. You know, I mean, if you're in a health um, choir that's in a hospital, you're, you're supported. There's a health professional there. Mm. You can go, actually, today I feel terrible. This happened yesterday. You know, yes. you feel like you can. But when you're out in the community, you're expected to just kind of get on with it. And mm. actually, people have got a lot of complex needs in the community. Mm. I mean, I've been trying to work with social prescribers. I haven't really had, I wanted so much to reach out to social prescription in the local area, but I've had a few ask me about the choir, but I feel like the social prescribers still feel that, oh yeah, it's just a bit of singing. I don't yes. think they get the health value of it. I just yes. wish they would. And I, I feel like I need to educate, not me personally, but you know, a part of the movement, <laughs> us together. Yes. I want to be a part of that really, to, to try help educate social prescription. It's come up and coming and it's so important to everyone. I use yeah. it all the time in my job as an OT. I'm always prescribing yes. into social prescribers. Yeah. But they're not really seeing, oh, this per- they might not link the fact that oh, this person's got COPD. Oh, they can't really breathe very well. And so they haven't, they haven't got that health knowledge because they're only linked mm. workers in that way. So mm. they wouldn't think, oh, actually singing, yeah, that's a good idea, you know. So yes getting that education in there for link workers is really yes. important I think, as well yes. that's yes that's a massive point i am going to ask you now we're kind of shaking up the format of our podcast now we've heard a little bit about you a little bit about yeah. where you're coming from and your ethos would you talk me through i'm your guinea pig um <laughs> lead me in your sort of go-to warm-up in a kind of okay. health group well. and um yeah it's the morning <laughs> i'm definitely up for a bit of waking up <laughs> well. 
um, I was just thinking about do have go to like uh, exercises, but like I said to you, I read the room, I see how we in how we are today, and mm. um, a really good one that's a good icebreaker for our group because none of my group really read music. I, I don't particularly read music very well. I don't have a pianist in in the choir practice all, all on my backing tracks. So to get them all going, they've all come in, they've sat, they had a hard day. I tend to do like a normal um, A E I O U kind of a scale, yeah. and it's got a backing track that comes with it. But to make it a bit of fun, I just do silly accents so we do scottish <laughs> scottish and we've got a couple of scottish guys in, in the choir as well and it's really funny they all tell <laughs> that helps. Like, oh, they go. and then because we're in essex we go yeah. for the essex accent you know and go on go we just, on would you, would you, you demonstrate know. demonstrate <laughs> well, for I, me I'll, I'll try. Yeah, I'll try. I'm, so, I'm your choir imagine i'm your choir so we've got a e i o u going on here can you hear that oh you so we just do normal a e i o u we might try some Scottish. E E A O U. And then we go for Essex. We love this one. I A I O U. We're allowed to do that because we're from Essex. <laughs> yes. And we might do Mary Poppins. A E I O U. Lovely, lovely. A E and then maybe you might be really angry and say A E I O U, and it kind of goes on like that. And then we do elongated. And then we might do really staccato A E I O U. So it goes on like that, and I just kind of change it up as we go, yeah. and it's nice and easy for me. And I just read the room really and see if they're laughing. Then we might do that one a few more times. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm normally oh, dancing out in the front of them, like some, you know, just yes. getting their attention. And so, yeah, yeah. just go warm them up, get some all laughing, and then we can move into our music. Yes, yes, yes. That's a really interesting point as well. Get them laughing. I, I love it that you mm. brought that in. Um, mm. Tell me about that. Well, I just think that humour it just helps so much. I mean, everyone's got their complex needs going on, and on a Monday evening we rehearse and usually Mondays are, can, can be a little bit stressful. So they will turn up and they're kind of walking, hi, hi, hi. But humour is a massive part of our, of our rehearsal. It's, it's all about joking and laughing. And also it's a, it's a real family. It's um, mm. brought them together in a, in a real family feel. They support each other. And that, that's so important as well. And we have a little coffee break in the middle. Everyone chats, how are you? Someone's mm. got an operation this week. We're all checking in with that person. Or yeah. I haven't seen them for a while. How are they? You know, so, you know, mm. it's a real family feel to it. But humour, massive part yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Um, and uh, something I was wondering as well, thinking about um, inclusion, people with certain health conditions, people without. Um, people without health conditions, how do they respond? It's hard to tell, but I think in a way, I mean, I've read some research about how actually there was this intergenerational choir, I can't think, Cortez, I think it was, that did this research about how she did it in um, a university and had some students with people with um, dementia and conditions and their carers. And actually mm. how educational that was for those people with no health condition. Mm. They came away and there was some quality research done. They were talking about you know how much they've been educated on, oh, wow, there's this condition and there's this. And when I go in the shop and I see someone fumbling with their change, oh, actually, they may have something going on. So it was a really educational experience for mm. both sides you know and, and I, I that, that was some research I found when I was doing my degree and OT and I kind of brought that forward with me into my choir so I feel like it's educational for everybody in the choir so I think it means for a more tolerant community um, yeah. and a more understanding community and I've never hidden from the fact that I made this choir because I wanted to improve the community's health right now I did have a comment before about how 
they don't like that I advertise my choir as helping people with mental health conditions because it helped made them feel stigmatized they, they I felt see. Like I'm fine. yes yes well I'm not going to go there I'm fine yeah and I don't I don't want people to think I've something wrong with me you know that's mm. so I did mm. have that comment by somebody I mean that person still does come um <laughs> to the choir and they, they really enjoy it and I think you know <laughs> It made me think a little bit about labelling and about mm. how difficult it can be. But then if I don't advertise it as an inclusive choir with people, you know, then how am I going to get yes. those people that are hard to reach that want to come in, you know? And, like, yes. and there are so many singing groups in our community that if it's not yes. right for them, it's not right for them, they can move into yes. something different, you know? But, yes. you know, lots of people that come to the choir don't have health conditions. They just come because they feel safe and secure. Yes. They're not like brilliant singers, but they just love it. And they mm. just feel that they can, it's a safe place for them. So... You know. Yes, yes, it it is. It's quite interesting, all that kind of stuff. Like I had with a community choir I was running, an inclusive community choir, and there was someone with with a learning disability, and um, which did affect their singing. Sometimes, sometimes they struggled to pitch. And um, one person, it just drove them mad, and they left. And then another person said to me. I, I love the fact that we have this person in our choir and they are completely welcomed and supported because mm -hmm. it gives such an inclusive feel to the choir because especially with health conditions, it can happen to anyone. Exactly. You might, you you might be well today, you yeah. have a stroke tonight, you're not well exactly. tomorrow. And to still be, to still have a place in your community to come together and sing. I, I think, think that's what I would want. I would want that for myself if I had yeah. that issue. I would still want to feel like I could walk in regardless of my disability or mm. whatever was going on for me and to sit and just be with people because no matter what you've got going on with your health you still want to be with people you still want that connection yes. that connection is so important I mean we there's so much research isn't there about yes. yeah that connectivity and how, how it makes people feel part of something and that's mm. such an important part of and as OTs we look at that sense of belonging is a massive part of our work Interesting. you know being doing becoming belonging all those kind of issues yeah. social feelings and psychological feelings about about that need to be connected yes it's important and kind of following on from that you know you're a health professional and you're a musician mm -hmm. choir leader you mentioned before as well the, the biological the psychological the social mm. aspects of mm. singing but also in ot do you think that connection affects health absolutely Right. I mean, I see it. I've seen it through experience, anyway. Yeah. And I'm, you know, it's like I'm reading paper after paper at the moment. So <laughs> yes. to, and I'm just seeing it. Here it is all the time. This, this feeling yeah. of connection and belonging. Mm. I mean, I recently attended some training. I don't know if you've heard of singing mummers. Yeah. Um, I, I attended that training and I, I loved it. And, and it really inspired me as well because um, the person that leads that, Kate Valentine, she's a nurse. So I'm, mm. I'm loving the fact that she's a health professional. And I'm mm. thinking, yeah, I can see where you are because I'm, I'm there too. I'm trying to yes. link in. And um. I had a massive sense of, and I feel quite isolated. I mean, on a personal note, I don't really have a lot of family around me, and yeah. as a as a kind of in the community in my life, really, I'm kind of the leader of my family, if you know what I mean. And right. I'm, so I don't really have that, that kind of support bubble around me personally. Right. And women, just uh, women that I just feel there's that missing link somehow that they, they haven't got that connect connection with other women, which I love right. and I wanted it. I didn't know I needed it. Went to the singing mummers uh, training and. I felt quite emotional about sitting with a group of women just singing and feeling so connected and how important and how I'd been missing that for such a long time and really felt quite emotional about it. And mm. it really, really linked into my feeling of the choir of how the people that might come, I don't really don't feel it so much because I'm at the front there, but they really yes. must feel what I felt that day when I went to that training, that warm, fuzzy, oh, I feel loved and I feel connected mm. by these other women who understand. And um, so that kind of really solidified my 
want to continue with this work and bring that feeling I had there into my work, that connectivity, because I mean, I felt it myself. I've seen it with the choir. I've read mm. about it. It's it's definitely a thing. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm just trying to bring that into the, the importance of that into the health profession. Because it's so hard to see that in numbers and figures. You know, you can't, yes. you can't quantify it, can well, you? Yes, you exactly. You exactly. No, exactly. So how do we do that? But, um, yeah, yeah. That's part of our work, isn't it? I was listening to your other podcast mm. about this problem, not really a problem, but it's just being in the arts, quantifying it is so difficult. And that's what health professionals want to see. They want to see numbers and charts and graphs. Yeah. And you have to be there. You have to feel it just to know the, the, the impact really sometimes. But also I see that there is this need to evidence what yes. we're doing. It, it's always this tension with singing and especially mm. group singing. Um, mm. I think it was Dave Camlin actually who said, you know, we're measuring the benefits of group singing, but we're measuring it, we're measuring individuals, but so it's, it's a group, group activity. So why are we measuring individuals? Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense, which I thought was a really interesting mm. point. But then how do you measure a group <laughs> somehow and, you know, measure a group's experience yeah. or... I mean, it's got to be qualitative, isn't it? It's got to be interview. It's got to be that face-to-face personal and then thematic analysis I mean I feel like that's the route to to get the real experiences and and having case studies case studies Mm. are so useful to be able to take to a meeting with a health professional say right I want this to do this group here's Mr X he did this Mm. with me and this is the outcomes for him you know having those case studies uh, Mm. as evidence well actually I mean part of what we're doing here in this podcast is really trying to bring together Mm -hmm. health professionals practitioners researchers and participants, participants, participants yeah. you know, we will be building up a bank of that. Get as those well. stories, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, stories. Um, and uh, I mean, it's what we're talking about anyway, but bridging the gaps between yes. practice, research, health profession you know you, you seem you seem to be ideally placed to um it feels that way because that, yeah. actually you are a practitioner a researcher a health professional um and a participant and a participant you're all of them you wear all the <laughs> definitely i mean yeah exactly it's a big hat lots of hats what do <laughs> you I mean, think that, about that what do you think might be the best way forward well, with that my current part of my research i mean i'm working towards the end of my master's now i've got the last couple of modules to do and i'm working on a product at the moment of bringing a model forward because I mean what well, I did a little bit of research prior prior to this and mm. um, it was only a small project but I managed to get a few OTs involved I did a, a, this where you met me was on the conference I was talking yes. about this project that I'd come to and I'd got um evidence from OTs working in all different areas mental health um physical health hospitals community role emerging which is an interesting area I'm um, obviously a role emerging OT. That kind of means in a place where you wouldn't normally see a health professional. So perhaps, right. a, perhaps a farm, because I used to work in a social farm. Right. Okay. So, you know, they're kind of linking in like that. So all these OTs anyway, and I asked them all about singing and how they felt. And it was interesting to see the gaps in the knowledge. And mm. I think when your last podcast was talking about this as well, that there's a quite an understanding about the psychological benefits, some mm. understanding. And the social benefits, yeah, but the physical, not so much. So there's this gap where they're not uh, the research is not available to them, or they maybe wouldn't look to think to look. I don't, don't know what it is there, mm. but um, and I think that if we could just embed that knowledge early on in the OT's career, then mm. that could go forward and disseminate within health professionals in yeah. teams. So my kind of idea was from that research, kind of identifying the fact that OTs were like, yeah, yeah, we know singing's good, but we need a framework, man. We're looking the working the NHS. We need processes. We need yes. we need Systems. structure. So I was like, yeah, okay, I get that, I get that. But also we're a creative art. So that's tricky. But what have you already got? What have OTs already got? Lots mm. of models that we use as OTs. They're very different. They've got 
some of them have got spirituality in this in the core mm-hmm. some of them have got the environment in the core you know that, that you can use them differently interchangeably right. throughout your career wherever you're working at the time so I was thinking let's bring together what we've already got and how can we inject the singing for health into this model and and so that it's relatable so OTs can understand where we're coming from mm. and if we could do that create something like that then could we then inject it into the actual learning of an OT in their student days at university and maybe just one lecture I come in or whoever comes in and does a, yep. a lecture about it showing all the evidence direct them towards singing health yes. network direct them towards the actual evidence yes do something interactive with them so they get to feel it so on lots of levels like you say the researcher level they're getting that Mm. then they're going to get the participant experience Mm. because they're going to be feeling so i'm going to do something with them then i get them to come up and try something with the group then they get the practitioner experience Mm. so you see what i'm saying they're going to get so the training will be um only a short thing but they get a little taster of each element so they can bring it together in their mind as a whole yes and then support that with a with a model that they could refer to and look to yeah so that's what i'm kind of going along the lines of at the moment i think that's absolutely brilliant and the other thing that i think getting back to what we were talking about at the start is actually you could bring those models into singing for health practice that's right that's what i'm hoping we're an emerging field so actually bringing in the models that are the existing models you know there's no point reinventing the wheel um that's what i was thinking i first started looking at them and thinking how can i make a model oh my goodness i have mm, no idea how to go there with this i'm dying for someone to to do it (laughs) take years and years and years for it i want it now soon because it's kind of now where it's coming up and coming so like you say let's find what we've already got let's adapt what we've already got and yes. then like you say I mean I I would like to see more OTs in the field of singing for health and coming because I see lots of physiotherapists speech and language therapists but yep. OT I mean there must be lots of us out there but you know it'd be nice to come together as maybe a working mm. group and just think about how because we're all we're all about functional we're all about meaningful activity what's mm. meaningful for that person and we, we definitely take a holistic look at people yeah. as well so I think Adam was saying about how the the biomedical model is so kind of prevalent in healthcare yes and an OT we we recognize and we know that but we use a biosocial biopsychosocial model really like right. you know along yeah. with our other models all the models we've got they're all very holistic right so and oh, so right interesting useful. so actually really might be a very well placed actually to apply mm. to singing as a holistic activity so well, i'm hoping to try something out and just see where it goes and hopefully be able to bring something back to singing for health and give them some extra help and support for what they're already doing a brilliant job of just trying to get out there and getting people to know what we're doing you know yes Fantastic. And so getting on the future of singing for health, what you would like to see happen? I mean, I'd like to see OTs being really visible in the front line of singing for health and to be able Wait, to sorry, offer that Sorry, when you say that, what do you mean exactly by that? Um, well, I mean someone, to, OTs to be visible so that singing leaders can know who to contact for their advice. Right. So what, I mean, my original idea when I first started my master's was having this kind of toolkit that you could offer to mm. singing leaders that had, that, then I looked in and thought, well, how can I give every single health condition in this mm. toolbox? It's not possible. I mean, there's, there's Google and everything. You can have a look at things, but mm. to have that kind of inside knowledge and experience of health conditions, you need, we need someone that works with them, like people that have these conditions day in, day out, which is we do as OTs. So it would be good to have presence of OT within the singing for health community that you know who so you know who to go to so if you had mm. this incident with a choir member and it was difficult and you wanted some support you would have mm. someone to link in with and you could kind of problem solve it brainstorm it together maybe the OT could come and visit or the, mm. the rehearsal and see if they it'd be nice to have that I don't know how that would work though but I mean I think with the singing for health network as it is and it's kind of branching out the way it is 
and reaching out to people like myself that have got this interest mm. and, and people might hear this podcast and think yeah quite fancy that or someone's got an idea mm. and brings it to the table yes. I just think that it will be a really beneficial to the single health network to have OTs on board and I feel yes. like at the moment there's this real gap and I'm like, where are they all? Hello, where are yeah. they? And they must be yeah, somewhere. Yeah. That's what I'd like to say, the future of singing for health, linking in more closely with health, which I know they want and know that health doesn't know they want, but they will benefit from it. They could just <laughs> understand, you know. So yes, yes. I was going to say, or, or perhaps, yeah, or, or perhaps bringing singing for health leaders, choir leaders more into sort of under yes. the umbrella of yeah. the health profession. So perhaps providing some training, I'm talking about training for OT students, but perhaps mm. that training could be modified to be also available for singing leaders that wanted it as well. And yes. but how about yes. just how do we help singing leaders to understand the holistic nature of health mm. a bit more fully? Uh, yes. and, how, and, and also tell them, you don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to know every little exercise for yes. Parkinson's. You don't have to know it all. But if you had an understanding, a grounding knowledge of the, an approach to health that is yes. holistic and where to go for extra advice. Yes, there you go. absolutely. And, and possibly how to create an inclusive environment for everyone right from the word go. In fact, I think you as the leader, you could very much be led by people, but as the person kind of standing at the front, you kind of need to give permission, I think, to people to to say, and I need this adjustment making. Yeah. I This chair's terrible for me, or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Again, probably some kind of format, a kind of toolkit. So. Um, but not too prescriptive. I just think, I don't want yeah. to get too into the prescriptive, this is how you run a group. Yeah. This is what you have to do. This is the exercises you must use. I mean, mm. I mean, I, I run a dementia choir. Um, it's called Magical Memories, and it's for people mm. with dementia and their carers. And it's once a month, I've been feeling my way. And I, the singing for the brain, I've been to a couple of those, and, it's, mm. and I like them. But I, I also think that sometimes, if you're too stuck in a format, mm. you don't actually meet the needs of the people that are in front of you. Mm. And that is something that I'm really passionate about. Is that you can go into any choir or music group with your little box of tricks mm. and present it to them but if you're not connecting with that person that you're with on their level with their needs then you're not might as well not be there you might as well not be bothering so yes. you, you, you the toolkit's important but not prescriptive it has to be dip in take what yes. you need for the moment. and I think reading the room is a really important part of the leadership mm. skills as well and and like you say, giving yourself permission to just take a step back and go, what's actually needed here? And also being very honest with them. And, yes. And say, I'm, I'm, that's something that I really take forward with my choir is that I'm very open with them and say, oh, I had a really busy day today. Oh, I haven't quite had time to, re- to practice what I'm doing today. Can you help me out a bit? You know, and just, you know, mm. it's, it's a conversation. So I'm not there just yes. being in charge all the time. I'm also, it's a little bit of, I'm a human being as well. And they yes. know that. So something about that as well, that yes. you don't have to be walking through them. I'm the instructor. I'm going to tell you what to do. It's, you know, it doesn't work when you've got people that are vulnerable. It doesn't work yes. with anyone, actually, does it? I don't think. Does it work yes. with anyone? That kind of thing, um, But probably in the army. <laughs> Maybe the army. <laughs> in, the, in the forces, in the police. They're sort of very, very hierarchical yeah, quite, kind yeah. of things. And actually p- potentially hospitals, which NHS. are quite yeah. hierarchical as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, not all that. We're, we're coming out of that now, and it's just a definitely yeah. looking to social prescription. We're not. We're trying not to be as process led, but obviously there has to be some process in there, otherwise yes. it would all fall to pieces. But, um, but yeah, taking little bits out of that processes and mm. popping them into mm. singing for health and some creativity out of singing for health and popping it into health. You know, a bit yes. of that. Yeah. And um, I think we could make something really special. Mm, lovely, amazing, Lisa. 
Thank you so, so much. This is really, really fascinating. I hope you do develop that toolkit and uh, that model. I will definitely be using them oh, <laughs> myself. <brilliant. laughs> no, I've enjoyed having a conversation about everything because um, you don't often get the chance to have a good conversation about these things, do you? When, when yeah. you're really passionate. So yeah. thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate oh, it. Total pleasure.